Hello, good people. Welcome to The Chris Stefanik Show, the show that helps you find the joy that God made you for in the midst of everyday life. Don't miss us every week as we dive into real issues with real people and answer real questions. God bless you. My beautiful brothers and sisters, as always, such a joy to have you with me. We're going to dive into one of the rules for a joyful life. It's really simple. It's also a secret sauce for renewal in the church. Thanks for being with us. All right, so we're going to dive into rule number six from my book, Living Joy. It's important to remember that this Christian path, even though it's difficult at times, really difficult, is also a path to joy, and it's important to take the steps that you need to live that joyful life. All right, I want to, as I, before I dive into this topic, you can interrupt me at any point in time with your questions. Just text 720-650-0100, So we're going to dive into rule number six, which is make friends. Now, this is a really difficult rule. Even though it sounds simple, it's really hard because people are really annoying. And by people, I mean all of you, especially Matt Fratt, if you're watching right now. You. <laughs> really? Guys, all of us are annoying. Here's the reality of humanity. Me, you, all of us. We annoy each other. We hurt each other. And usually we don't even know we're doing it. Uh, I shared this story in the book. My, my Uncle Paul was, was walking through New York City, and someone jogged past him and bumped into him, and he reached in his pocket, and his wallet was gone. And he saw the guy running down the street, so he ran up to the guy, and he said, Give me the wallet! And, and the guy starts shaking. He pulls up the wallet, gives it to him. And my Uncle Paul calls my Aunt Margie. He says, Margie, you'll never believe what just happened to me. And she said, Paul, your wallet is on the kitchen table. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Every time I share that, people are like, did that really happen? Yes, it did. Of course, he sent the wallet back with no return address and said, hey, sorry, I accidentally stole your wallet. Guys, we hurt each other all the time. And there's something called the fundamental attribution error. The fundamental attribution error. It's when you attribute bad motives to people and you give yourself a free pass. And this happens all the time. Someone cuts you off on the freeway and you're thinking, I got this guy figured out. He's a horrible person or maybe just a really wounded person acting out of his wounds, but I don't want to be anywhere near this guy. I, I got him. I, I, I'm going to stay away from that car. You cut someone off and you're thinking, I'm just a little distracted, had kind of a bad day. You barely gave yourself a, a, a second thought. The fundamental attribution error. We all, it's good to remember this, we are all capable of hurting each other. But we need each other. This is how God made the church. He didn't intend for us to be saved by ourselves. And, and sometimes we think, well, gosh, if, if I could just be around perfect people. Or you look in the Bible, I mean, the people, gosh, the early church, they were all saints, so they all got along really well, right? No. Okay, Galatians 2.11. This just shows that we've never had an error. You can't get so holy that you're not going to rub against each other. This just doesn't happen. Galatians 2.11. Uh, St. Paul says, I opposed Peter to his face. So here's a bishop in the early church opposing the Pope to his face and then bragging about it to the Galatians. <laughs> There's always been conflict between the people of God. We hurt each other. We rub up against each other. Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas, great friends. I mean, Barnabas raises Paul up, teaches him how to preach the gospel. They find themselves in a heavy disagreement over whether or not they should bring Mark on a mission with them, and then they split up and go separate ways. Now, God works through all these conflicts that people have. We think, where could God possibly be in this? 
Well, if they hadn't split up, Mark probably wouldn't have gone with Barnabas, learned to preach from Barnabas, maybe gotten in touch with St. Peter, who he got his gospel account from, and then wrote the gospel according to Mark. All these good things come about because of our conflict sometimes. Of course, they reconciled 2 Timothy 4.11, uh, where St. Paul tells, tell, uh, writes, uh, Luke is alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for the ministry. So they, they eventually made friends again. But guys, all this, this conflict, even between saints. You know, I, I, I met a person who, uh, who had met St. Francis Cabrini, knew her, worked with her. Um, actually, there's a priest friend of mine who is friends with this older woman who worked with Cabrini. So he said, what was it like to be with a saint? And he was expecting this, this answer that like, whoa, I'm in the presence of a saint. I walk in this room and I just know this person has overwhelmed me with their holiness. And this old woman said, well, Cabrini, she was a witch. And she didn't use the word witch. Uh, <laughs> listen, St. Francis Cabrini was a saint. To be a saint doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you have heroic virtue. St. Francis Cabrini was also such a driven person that she founded 67 institutions to serve the poor during her lifetime, during her adult years. This was probably a person who knew how to run a business and wasn't great all the time at taking care of everybody's emotions. She rubbed up against people and hurt them without knowing it. This happens to the saints. And we think of the scripture, iron sharpens iron. It's a beautiful scripture from Proverbs. It talks about how, how friends make each other holy, make each other sharper. And usually when I hear that verse, you know, I'm thinking, well, people getting along sharpen each other and just call each other onto holiness. The reality is iron sharpens iron probably most effectively when it's on a battlefield and their swords clashing against each other in just the right ways. And they make each other sharper in the midst of the conflict. This is part of the human condition. We are born into a world of conflict. We get annoyed by people. It's healthy to remember that even if we're canonizable saints, we are also likewise annoying people. But despite all this, despite all the ways we rub against each other, God has set things up in such a way that we need each other. We need friends. Not only for your spiritual health, you need it for your physical health. There was a Harvard study done, and I share all this stuff in the book, Living Joy. There was a Harvard study done over the course of 80 years. This one kind of blows my mind. They wanted to find out what set people up, and this is one of the longest studies ever done on, on people. They wanted to find out what set people up for thriving and, and for, for longevity when they were old. Was it the, the shape of the cranium? They were literally measuring these people's skulls. Was it cholesterol? Was it their, their workout habits? The number one factor, the number one factor was whether or not those people felt joyful. And the, the biggest influence on whether or not they felt generally good and joyful was whether or not they had friends. And it didn't even just spell out romantic relationships, but meaningful connections with other people. Recent studies have found that it's healthier for you to smoke 15 cigarettes a day than to be lonely. Guys, our separation from each other and the, the health impact of that is the pandemic that no one has been talking about in the past few years, and it's been literally physically toxic. They have found that it is healthier for you to have high cholesterol than to be lonely. So, smoke cigarettes and eat fattening burgers. Just make sure you do it with friends. <laughs> yes, teenagers, if you're watching, I am kidding. Do not smoke cigarettes. But you get my point, guys. There's a natural factor to this. Why? Because we are made in the image and likeness of God, and God is a trinity of persons. We are made 
even in our biological needs, to live in communion with other people. And when it comes to your happiness, God isn't going to give you uh, crazy, miraculous, supernatural fixes to, to basic problems that you need to just have the discipline to fix. Now, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, I, I was feeling a little down, and I thought, man, i gotta, I got to go work out. I mean, there's sometimes where I'm not concentrating enough in prayer. I'm not feeling enough energy. Life's getting me down a little bit. And I'm looking for, like, Lord, just fix this for me right now. And he's looking down from heaven saying, you know, I gave you a, a, an intellect and will. I gave you discipline. I need you to fix it. I need you to engage fixing that. Go deadlift. <laughs> Guys, it's natural. In the natural, we need friends. God is not going to give you a, a supernatural joy and peace that bypasses the natural order of things. He is a trinity of persons, and he made you to live in community. But you need the right friends to be spiritually healthy. So you need friends and meaningful connections with people just to be healthy, period. Spiritual friends make you spiritually healthy. Sequoias are the biggest trees in the world. All right, sequoias can be 300 feet high, have bark that's three feet thick. Think about that for a second. Three foot thick bark. That is so cool. It's fire resistant. This is why it can be, live to be 3,000 years old. There's sequoia trees right now that started sprouting literally 1,000 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Right? How do these trees get so tall? How do they stand so tall? Is it, is it because their roots go hundreds of feet into the earth? No. They're about five feet deep. What? That massive tree has roots that go five feet deep. That's it? Yep. They go hundreds of feet wide. And they're interlocked with every other tree in the forest. Guys, that's you and me. In order to grow spiritually healthy and spiritually tall into our full stature as children of God, we need to stretch our roots out wide and be connected with other people. And I'm talking connected intimately, beneath the dirt, in a real, earthy, gritty, raw, human, fully connected way. Wait, did you say intimacy and friendship? I thought intimacy was all about romantic relationships. No, no, no. Intimacy is for friendships. Our Lord did friendship this way. He never said, you know, no greater love has man than this, than that he snuggled with his girlfriend on Valentine's Day. No. No greater love has man than this, than that he laid down his life for his what? For his friends. He modeled friendship that was actually intimate. And when people make the mistake of thinking that intimacy belongs only to romantic relationships, guys, this is why we have so many teenage kids over-sexualizing friendships. No one asked me to a dance, therefore, I, I don't know, I need to be sexually intimate with a friend? It's because the human heart needs intimacy. If you think that's the only way to get it, you're going to do whatever you can to get what your heart needs. No, no, no. Our Lord modeled real intimacy. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. This is an awkward conversation between two dudes, but it was no less manly. Uh, I got a, a question here. <laughs> Surely you aren't talking to introverts, right? <laughs> Yes, introverts, I'm talking to you. Every human being needs intimate connections with other people to be physically healthy and to be spiritually healthy. And, and you know, here's the thing. This is a, a, a misconception about introverts, that they don't like people. I'm not saying you have to go to a party and draw your energy from being around lots and lots of people. Introverts draw their energy from being around a few people that they know. Introverts actually are more likely to have intimate connections. Whereas I'm kind of an extroverted, kind of extroverted. On the personality test, I'm about 
96% extroverted? Literally, it's, a, it's almost a disability for me. Uh, I could draw my energy from lots and lots of people. Introverts can, can be chilled with like two or three people and they draw their, their, their energy, their, their, their source from that, from that deep connection. So you're more likely to have intimate connections. You don't need connections with everybody. All right, so don't think that by, by when I say make friends, I mean hang out with all sorts of people. So we need this to be spiritually healthy. We need this to conquer our vices too. There's a great saying that your environment will eat your willpower for breakfast. I'm going to say that again. Your environment will eat your willpower for breakfast. Your environment is the friend that you put yourself around. That's your spiritual environment. And if you're around the wrong people, I think it was Benjamin Franklin. He said, if you lie down with dogs, you will rise up with fleas. I think Aquinas said, uh, your, your whole salvation could depend on who you choose as your friends. And if I'm wrong about those quotes, they should have said those things. So we'll just pretend that they did. Um, if someone falls into heroin addiction, their recovery rate is about 10%, even if they go to Narcotics Anonymous. If they go to an anonymous group, they get lots of help, they go to rehab, about 10% of them successfully stay rehabilitated. Why? Because they go back to the environment they found themselves in after their rehab programs, and the, the environment eats their willpower for breakfast. And check this out. This is kind of a crazy stat. In Vietnam, about 20% of soldiers fell into heroin use. That's a lot of people. They were just responding to the stress of the war, and the stuff was too readily available. They went home, 90% of them stopped cold turkey. Whoa. See, because they changed their environment. They were no longer around those people. Everything felt absolutely different about being home than where they were in the war. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you hang out with the wrong people, it's, I, I don't care how strong you feel. And some people think I'm going to hang out with the wrong dude, and, and I don't know, I'll lift him up. You know, I, I like the image of like standing on a chair. I'm up on a chair, I'm trying to balance myself, my friend's on the ground, I'm going to lift him off the ground, what's going to happen? I'm going to be on the ground with him before you know it. We need to have the right friends. So how do you make spiritual friendships, and this is, uh, this is where I want to land this, this plane here. Uh, and you know, I, I got to tell you, every, everything I talk about in this book and in my program on Living Joy, and I don't mean to sound like a cheesy salesman by holding this book up several times, but I, I, I am excited to share it with people. Uh, it all lands on advice that leaves people saying, duh. I mean, it's so stupidly simple. To which I would say, duh, so do it. I mean, so much of life as you live it versus life as you know you should be living it, who you are versus that ideal of yourself that you want to be, so much of it comes down to making time for those stupidly simple things you know you're supposed to be doing but don't make time for. Because what's urgent crowds out what's important in life all too frequently. So how do you make spiritual friends? First and foremost, you need to make what's important a priority, not just what's urgent. You need to carve time out for it. This is from Hebrews 10.25. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Do not neglect hanging out. Don't neglect hanging out with your friends. And dude, I have, some, I have a couple groups of friends that I know make me spiritually healthy. And some of these groups, man, like we're in group threads, the fanny pack, where, and we're just tech, like, hey, can we, can we hang out again? And it just doesn't happen. And when, when I find it not happening month after month after month, it's like, you know what? Things that are urgent are swallowing up what's important in life. And I, I'm calling myself on this in front of y'all right now. There's a couple groups of friends I just have to make time for. Do not neglect meeting together. We need each other. We need each other. All right, so when you get together, 
I have a couple uh, groups that were really intentional about growing spiritually together. I'm going to tell you right now what to do to form this when you meet together. Uh, I actually have one group of uh, me and three other guys. We meet once a month over bacon and eggs and, and coffee. And uh, we, we just were devoted to doing this. All right? Do not neglect meeting together. I have another group that's uh, uh, just me and my wife and uh, four other couples. Another group is three other couples. When we meet together, first you got to ask the question. I'm going to give you three steps, okay? They're stupidly, duh, simple, but you got to do them. First, you got to ask the question, what's going on in your life? So we'll, we'll just catch up. And I, I know if you're a woman watching especially, you're thinking, well, of course. If you're a guy, this might not be obvious to you. I can go off and spend the weekend with guy friends, come home. My wife's like, how are they doing? I'm like, how am I supposed to know? Oh, you just spent the weekend together, right? Catch up and ask the question, how are you? What's going on in your life? Make sure you make time for that. And I wish this was obvious to everybody, but there's some people who, they go to church Bible studies with people for years and never actually ask that question. And we think we're building real Christian fellowship. No, we're having a Bible study together, and there's a difference. Real Christian friendship means that you know what's going on in each other's life on a basic human level. Two, ask on a deeper level, how are you? With a phrase like, what's God doing in your life? How are you growing right now? What are you struggling with? And this is right here. Someone just asked, can you recommend a good program or resource to do with friends? All right. So you can ask, how are you doing? And then find a resource, if you, if you want to, or if you have time for this, to squeeze this into the discussion, where you could dive deeper into your faith together. But make sure that you tie that resource to spiritual growth and to questions like, how does this, what we just watched, apply to your life, to your spiritual journey, to how you need to grow? You know, what did you get out of this for your life? Not just what do you think about this? Now, again, I'm not condemning Bible studies, obviously, but a, a purely academic study is a class. That's not Christian fellowship, where you're able to hold each other up and you get to know each other. A couple of resources I recommend, uh, check out the search. If you're watching me informed right now, you have access to the search. It, it just goes over the core message of the gospel. It's amazing, uh, the purpose of our existence. I don't care if you're, you know, if you're way into the faith or you're barely interested, it's going to hit you where you're at. Uh, another great resource is Living Joy. So I got this book, but we also have, uh, you can, if you text the word joy to the number 44144, you get a link with a video resource to Living Joy. And there's, um, on, on the video resource, there's 11 different small groups. So there's different questions. So after you've asked, how, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? We could dive into this study, into these different questions. Uh, there's another uh, resource someone brought to my attention recently for, for small group fellowship called Discipleship Quads. If you look up Franciscan University of Steubenville, Discipleship Quads, and it, it dives all into how to have just you and three other people together and grow in your faith together. Stupidly simple stuff is available. You just have to make time for it. All right? So how's it, you know, what's going on in your life? How are you doing at a deeper level? And if you want to bring in a resource to grow spiritually in a particular way for a time, bring that in. But you don't even have to do that, guys, as much as I'm a fan of all these resources, many of which I've made. It, it really can end with, you know, how's the, how are you growing in the Lord? And then the third question, how can I pray for you? And, and don't just say, yeah, I'll pray for you. Actually, I, I take notes on my phone for how I can pray for the people in my groups, and I pray for them. And that's, that's usually where the things that we need to hold each other up with accountability come in to play. 
You know, how can I pray for you? That's, that's what weakness are you struggling with. So I can see that person the next month and say, how you doing in that problem area? Guys, this is a stupidly simple formula to get together monthly in an intentional way to go over those three things, and I'm telling you, it has changed my life. Let me tell you what else this will do if you actually engage this. And by the way, when you're done watching this, I want you to, to resurrect that group of friends you haven't seen in a while, text them and say, let's get together. When you're done watching this, I want you to think of maybe, if you don't have a group like that, think of two to three friends that you could grow spiritually with and just, just shoot them a text or, or call them and say, look, I know we're friends. I'd like to be intentional about meeting together and growing spiritually together. I have a great new resource, The Search. I have a great new resource, Living Joy. If you want to make that your excuse, lean into that. If you don't need that excuse, don't do it. But, but just say, look, can we get together just like for 10 weeks and study this resource and, and grow in our faith together and just spiritually check in and hold each other accountable? Your friends will say yes because they want this. Because human beings need intimacy. And this is an invitation to deeper intimacy. They don't have to be perfect. You're not perfect. This could be a friend who annoys you. Guaranteed you annoy that friend. You need this to be physically healthy. You need this to be spiritually healthy. But also, as I was saying, this is needed for renewal in the church. This is from Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Guys, the formula in the early church was not every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. Mm -mm. Temple courts and homes. It's the one-two punch. The church today is missing the and homes aspect. Actually, I say the church. What I'm specifically referring to is the Catholic church. Not the entire people of God. The non-denominational slash evangelical churches that are kicking your butt, Catholic church. And I, I'm, I'm bringing up competitive talk in a friendly way. It's not because of great preaching. It's not because of the music and the lights. It's because of small groups. I've studied this ad nauseum. I'm very passionate about this. If you've, if you've hung around me long enough, this is going to come up. Uh, I, th this, is, this is the secret sauce for renewal. I'm friends with people at Saddleback, uh, Pastor Rick Warren's church. And they brag uh, affectionately about being the largest uh, Catholic church in Southern California. They grew, because <laughs> so many ex-Catholics go there. They grew from 6,000 to 9,000 small groups during COVID. And they added about 2,000 small groups online. This is all grassroots growth. There is no reason the Catholic Church can't do this. And by the Catholic Church, I don't mean your Pope, your Bishop, and your Pastor. I mean you. Stop being a clericalist. There's one to two priests in your parish. You might have 4,000 families. There's lots and lots of you. If your church feels lonely, it is not up to your priest to fix that. If people feel invited into the church and they come in the door and they didn't see anyone, no one walked up to them. They, a, lot of, a lot of people experience the Catholic Church as the place they can go for three months, die, and no one will even know that they've died. Right? This should not be, it is up to you and me to fix that. Your pastor can't fix that. Someone just texted, for our Catholic friends, uh, we can encourage them to, to, to participate in the sacraments together. Yeah, we absolutely can. However, the front porch into the church and the place where the the fellowship of believers happens where you get to have friendship and you get to really know each other, doesn't happen in the sacraments. At least I hope you're not leaning over to the person next to you during Mass and saying, hey, how's it going? What's going on in your life? You're supposed to be paying attention to the Mass, right? And in the early church, you want to talk about how to evangelize? Sometimes we treat the Mass like it's the only show in town. 
right? I met someone who's interested in church, I invite them to my local mass. That's not how the church has ever approached mass. In the early church, you didn't even know about the Eucharist until after you were baptized. So you go into the water, out of the water at Easter Vigil, and they'd say, hey, wait, there's something more for you. Isn't that cool? We're getting this all wrong, guys. The front porch back to Christianity. It's not your local mass. The front porch back to Christianity is your house. Hanging out and having a cup of coffee or a beer with some friends if you're over 21. All right, this is the secret sauce to renewal. And I'm telling you guys, the devil wants you to throw in the towel way too early. He wants you to think there's no hope. Just do the math. Literally, the number of people we are losing every year in the Catholic Church, if every Catholic started to engage this small group thing, and there's about 20,000 people watching this, 20, 30,000 every week, y'all, if every one of you started a small group, and again, by that I mean, hey, let's get intentional about growing in our faith, and just commit to being open to a new person coming in. The stuff that happened that, that made Saddleback grow like it did, it's not because they put this heavy pressure on each of those groups to invite people. They just said, just be open to people. If you meet someone who's maybe interested, just have them come in. Well, the, the, the law of averages here. If you have thousands and thousands of groups, all it takes is a couple hundred to maybe encounter somebody every year. Guys, if, if every Catholic church had this, think about what would happen. I mean, really, the, the, the Easter vigil... When we bring new Catholics into your church, it's, it's a really strong parish if you've got 30 people coming in. If we were all doing this, I'm convinced every church in North America would have hundreds of people come in. This is not far-fetched. Saddleback, the church I was talking about, they've, they've baptized, uh, they've had 50,000 baptisms since they opened their doors. Now, they have a different theology of, of, of baptism, so they... Not every one of those people needed, a lot of them were infant baptisms, and, but, but every one of those does represent a sincere conversion experience, that someone is giving their life to the Lord in a deeper way. 50,000 people that they could track like that. Guys, this can be us. I'm begging you to lean into this and make it us. So, uh, look up the search. Use Living Joy. If you're signing the formed, the search is free to you. Uh, Living Joy, just text the word joy to 44144. You have all you need to start a small group right there, right when you're done, right when we go off air here. Invite friends over, think of three to four friends, maybe one Catholic friend who's on the fence and say, I want to hang out with you. I want to study our faith together a little bit, get to know each other, and grow in an intentional spiritual friendship. You're just going to simply ask, what's going on in your life? As you hang out, that should come naturally. Then, how are you growing with the Lord? Okay, hey, let's click play on this resource and, and talk about how it touched our hearts and how that can help us grow with the Lord. And then, how can I pray for you? One, two, three. It's simple. It'll keep you healthy. It'll make you happy. And it'll renew the church. And let me close with this question. And to be a normal human being... <laughs> Don't be a nerd. All right, guys. <laughs> they sent me... Pretty hilarious things from the sound booth. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard like, be bold, be Catholic, and I would, I, I'm glad that that comment came through because I would also add, you don't have to be over the top bold and Catholic. If you're hanging out with friends, just be normal and be Catholic. <laughs> just hang out, be yourself. And it's amazing how when you're yourself with warts and all, and all the annoyances and all the ways you rub against each other, and you're gonna hurt the people in your small group, they're gonna hurt you, Stick with it. You'll be amazed. We end up growing closer to the Lord together. I love you guys. Thanks for being with me.
See you next time. Man, wasn't that great? Listen, if you don't want to be happy, be sure not to subscribe. But if you want a more joyful life, the kind of life that God created you for, the kind of life Jesus promised when he said, I came to give you life to the full, then make sure you hit subscribe and share this channel with everybody you know.